and welcome to On Focus, brought to you by the Focal Therapy Clinic, where we connect you with issues facing men diagnosed with prostate cancer that are little known, less understood, often avoided, or even ignored. Prostate cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer amongst men in the UK. And with this somber fact comes a multitude of challenges and opportunities. I'm Claire Delmar. Joining me today is Mark Lamiano, consultant urologist at the Focal Therapy Clinic and a leading innovator in imaging-led diagnostics and targeted treatments for prostate cancer. Mark has been a dedicated practitioner and vocal advocate for the rights of patients to be informed about their treatment choices from his base at Friendly Health, where he's prostate cancer lead at Wexham Park Hospital. He's here today to talk with me about the crucial role that imaging plays in diagnosing and treating prostate cancer and why a minimal standard of imaging and reporting is essential to successful diagnosis and treatment. Mark, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a really busy time and I really am grateful that you're here. Hi, Claire. It's, it's an absolute pleasure to be back with you. I'm very pleased to be speaking to you again. So so let's jump in. I mean, and just to our listeners, you know, I spoke a lot with Mark just quite recently, um, earlier this month at the um, Vocal Therapy Masterclass in Imperial College, where there was so much exciting developments and advancement were presented. And a lot of the discussion was around imaging. And I think the reason we started the conversation was because, you know, the good news is that imaging now, prostate imaging, that is um, multiparametric prostate imaging, even more specifically, is now fully accepted. You're kind of seen as an outlier if you don't do it. But I think the conversation we had was that, you know, one man's prostate MRI is not another man's prostate MRI. And the variability is something that I know you've been concerned about. And that at the Focal Therapy Clinic, we've really prided ourselves on having a minimum standard. So, so that's why we're here. And I just wanted to throw out to you, you know, we always talk about precision diagnostics, and we say that that leads to nuanced care or less invasive care. Can you can you put this into context before we get into the bigger issues? Sure, um, Claire. Well, I guess it is what it, it, mean, it says in the words. Nuanced care is about giving care that's bespoke for the individual man you, you see with his personal problems and issues and his specific prostate cancer. You know, you take a typical man aged about 60 or 55, something like that, who's diagnosed with uh, Gleason score 3 plus 4 equals 7 cancer, which is grade group 2, so one of the commonest cancers to be found, PSA of around 6. Um, he would have what's typically called favorable intermediate risk prostate cancer or Cambridge prognostic 2 group 2 prostate cancer. And it may seem that that's a specific diagnosis, but in fact, actually, it probably isn't. The, the cancer of that type can range from a small cancer in just part of the prostate to a large cancer developing the whole prostate. And so the treatment would need to be different depending on that type of cancer the man has. But also, the, the individual, that man, he, he may have other concerns as well. He may have no other symptoms at all. The cancer could have been found through screening, or he could also have problems passing urine. Uh, it could be slow, the urinary flow, or passing urine too often. So precision diagnostics is really about understanding the severity of the cancer, but also but knowing much more about um, its location, the volume, the grade, its position than it was typically given in the past. Mm-hmm. And so it's only with precision diagnostics where we know all these additional details where we can say, okay, you've got your man with um, nervous symptoms and, and you've got a small cancer, we can treat it perhaps by, just by ablating or destroying that small area of cancer compared to another man at the same age, same PSA, same Gleason score tumor, but his cancer may be occupying the whole prostate or most of the prostate, and he also has urinary symptoms, and mm-hmm. he would need nuanced care or precise care that's related to 
fat, which would be treating the whole prostate and enabling him to pass urine. And his treatment would be perhaps surgical removal of the prostate or something similar. Um, so the two men, although ostensibly with the same type of cancer, have completely different background scenarios and uh, and their cancers need different treatment. So it's, uh, yes, we need precise dog diagnostics so that we can give each man the individual care and treatment he deserves. Okay, that's that's really helpful. And I imagine more contextual information and data on the patient is important too, but I'll come back to that. I, I just wanna recognize once again, as I said in the intro, that you've really been at the forefront of focal therapy for well over 10 years. I mean, how would you describe the changes in the prostate cancer diagnostics at you know, you've worked with in that period, and how have these changes improved access to and effectiveness of focal therapy, or if I'm, I'm kind of using focal therapy as a way of describing nuanced care? Sure. Well, I, I became a, I qualified as a doctor in 1989 and became a consultant in 2002. And if you go back to the very beginning, we used to diagnose prostate cancer by putting a finger in the back passage and the rectum and then put it, you know, putting a needle almost blindly through the rectum to try and sample the prostate and find out if cancer was there. So, you know, those days, that's, that's how it's pretty much done. You, you might have had a blood test to PSA as well, but sometimes not. And it's moved forward from there to people having the ability to do ultrasound. So ultrasound first through the sort of lower belly, but then into the back passage. And, and, and when we could do that, we could then see in the first time, we could actually see how big the process is quite accurately. And by being able to see the prostate, we could put needles in into systematic locations of the prostate. So rather than sort of randomly or wildly putting needles through the, the, the rectum into the prostate, we could direct them into certain parts uh, more specifically. Mm-hmm. But still, even with ultrasound, we didn't really know um, where the cancer was located. Only if there was a very large one, uh, you might see it on ultrasound, but most of them were pretty much invisible. Mm-hmm. And then, and then in, in around 2000 and from there on, MRI became more prominent um, and, and soon became recognized in specialist centers that actually MRI can show where high-grade cancer is located, specifically the higher-grade cancers of larger volume, those cancers that might shorten a man's life or give him side effects as he gets older. And so armed with that information, we were able to start directing needles into the right place in the prostate to find cancer. But that also had problems because we were putting needles through the back passage often had infections. These were often called transfecal biopsies because they were going through the rectum. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the latter years, we've, we've moved on from the transrectal biopsies to, to doing transperineal biopsies. So instead of doing them through the back passage, we do them through the skin. So now they're both safer, they're, they're less, less risk of infection, but also we can, we can reach all parts of the prostate. Mm-hmm. When we do them through the back passage, we can only, only really sample the back of the prostate. But now we can, we can really take biopsies or samples from the front, back, the sides, with extreme accuracy. Mm-hmm. And, and it's got even better still. So even though in the past we had the MRI and we could take the biopsies, we still had to somehow use our brains to merge the ultrasound images with the MRI images, which is not as easy as it sounds because when you're looking at the prostate in real time, it's moving around and changes shape, whereas the MRI is a static image pretty mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. So we, we then moved on to be able to use complex or well, software, uh, digital software that could then fuse the MRI images with the ultrasound in real time. So mm-hmm. when we're scanning a prostate in real time, we can overlay the MRI images and see where the cancer is located then. And that enables us to take or put needles into exactly the right parts of the prostate. 
Mm -hmm. And we can know where cancer is located, where it's not located. We can know the exact grade and volume. Mm -hmm. So we've gone from really being able to only just about say someone has prostate cancer to being able to say that you've got this specific volume, this specific grade, and it's, it's located in these specific areas mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, over the last 20 years or so. Yep. And that's okay. been incredibly important. Okay. And so the fact that this imaging has is, is been the most significant change, and that's obviously translated both into biopsy mm -hmm. as well as um, ultimately in treatment as well. So what do you think are the challenges of diagnosticians like yourself that you face with regard to imaging? So the challenges are that um, it's becoming multidisciplinary. So that's maybe seen as a challenge, but also a strength. So, so urologists are trained in ultrasound, much less trained in interpreting MRI scans. So the challenge for most urologists and other people diagnosing prostate cancer is interpreting the MRI scan. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, in the past, when we were doing ultrasound, it was black or gray, and gray white and black. Um, and fairly easy. Now we have those shades as well, but also multiple colors, different areas. And the, the scans are done not just to look at, uh, for example, echogenicity. They're done also to look at blood flow, the stiffness of the tissues, what's called diffusion, restricted diffusion. Mm -hmm. it's, it's done also to look for other parameters and features that can identify cancer. And that, and that for um, a urologist can be challenging, but it can also be challenging for a radiologist. And there's been huge variability across the country in the skills of radiologists interpreting MRI scans. But more than just that, it's not just the, the doctors having issues, it's also, been, it's also been an issue with the scanning equipment. So um, the MRI scan is very significantly across the country. They vary both in resolution, the ability of the imaging to resolve or give clear images, but also in how the images have been, how the MRI scan has been set up. So some poorly detect uh, prostate cancer, whereas others do, do it very well. And then also some scans are done with contrast and some without. Contrast is an agent or a substance that's given to patients, which helps to see where the blood flow goes through an organ like the prostate. Mm -hmm. We know that cancers often take up more blood flow than non-cancers. So seeing the, the prostate take up contrast and where it takes up contrast can be quite helpful for an imaging doctor, a radiologist, or, or a urologist to see where cancer might be found. And a lot of places in the country don't use contrast, and there are reasons for that. And that may be fine if you're going to just treat the whole prostate, but if you want to give nuanced care, if you want to give really bespoke care mm -hmm. to, that, to the patient, to the man, you really need contrast. So, so some places in the country give contrast, others don't. So we see a huge, huge variation in the scanners, the administration of contrast, and the interpretation of the scans. And that poses, you know, major and significant challenges to how, what can be offered to patients reliably so that they, they get the right treatment. I.e., for example, I, they have treatment if, it, if they have significant disease, but also not being told that they have no cancer mm -hmm. and then be put on to active surveillance, uh, i.e. monitoring, but then find out, okay, oh dear, we sorry, we made a mistake. In fact, there is more significant disease than we thought. And, you know, now maybe you've either you've missed the boat for a relatively simple treatment or actually, you know, you really need a very heavy major treatment and we may not be able to cure you anymore. So the variability in all these things it does lead to confusion amongst people because men are told they can have active surveillance in many cases. They can be told they have surgery, they can be told they need focal therapy or can have focal therapy. But in fact, it may all be incorrect if the imaging hasn't been done well. So the imaging 
really does make a significant difference in in what's what kind of treatment is being offered and ultimately Absolutely, the quality yeah. of life yeah i mean do, is there been discussion about a minimal reporting standard or a minimal you know image capture standard or is that being discussed um i know that was touched on a little bit at the masterclass but where do you stand on that so the, the very basic first thing would be is has the imaging been done been done correctly? Has it been done in a way that's diagnostic? Mm-hmm. And there has been a classification system developed called PyQuol, mm-hmm. uh, which is about how good the imaging is and how reliable it is. And it goes from one up to five, being five being very high quality, one being very low quality. Um, and and so we that's very important to implement around the country. And although the, the scale has been presented, it's not widely used unless the imaging is being reviewed at another meeting outside of where the imaging was performed. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of interpretation, um, there is no, uh, for example, exam that people have to sit to be able to pass to say that they can they can report multiparametric MRIs of the prostate gland. Uh, but there are, there are courses that radiologists go on and urologists also can, can attend where they can become skilled in interpreting the scans. And usually um, it involves a period of mentorship and close monitoring of the reports of the MRI scans with subsequent prostate biopsies if they're done. There's no, if you like, standard across the country which people have to uh, specifically pass to be able to say that they can report MRIs mm. of the prostate. I mean, do you think that something like artificial intelligence is the future is the answer to more consistent and more detailed reporting of prostate images? It sounds like that's a bit I, a step think, too far. Well, the good thing about um, robots and computers and uh, artificial intelligence is that they're not subject to emotion. They don't get tired. And, and in theory, at least they do what they're told. Uh, so they will follow a specific path and not leave things out. Um, so I think artificial intelligence will... has already made major inroads into many things that we do, Mm. but it will also make a major um, step forward, enabling us to have more consistent MRI reporting. Um, And certainly, for example, it will will consistently report normal prostates, what's a normal prostate, but also it will help flag 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 up abnormal prostates, which need a skilled human who's very good at interpreting MRI to perhaps have a look at it and say what, what he or she thinks. But mm. the MRI scans using artificial intelligence now can report to the standard of an, of an average radiologist. That's what the data show. And I'm sure it'll get to even higher standards in the future. Mm-hmm. And finally, I mean, at the end of the day, people listening to this are going to care about, you know, I'm, I'm a prospective patient. What, what do I, or I know somebody who um, is about to undergo a prostate imaging before they have a biopsy. What do you think men really need to know before they accept that they're going in for an MRI? Do, you, know, you mentioned PyQual, for example. Should, should they be armed with that knowledge to inquire about that? Should they know about minimal standards of reporting? Yes, absolutely. I think fundamentally the answer should be yes to all of those. The, if, if a patient were to ask what the PyQual of a particular set of imaging is, they probably won't get an answer. So PyQual can, to some extent, it will, it will vary even with a patient in the same scanner. So, so PyQuel refers to the standard of the imaging that's being performed, mm-hmm. and sometimes that will vary within a patient. So mm-hmm. yes, it would be useful to know the typical PyQuel uh, standard for a hospital or a scanner. That would be useful to know, but it's not currently available. But okay. one thing people, people should know is what's the Tesla strength? Is it, is it 1.5 Tesla? Is it 3 Tesla? Is it 0.5 Tesla? You know, the, the higher the Tesla, 
the greater the signal-to-noise ratio. They should also know, are they going to have contrast or not? Mm-hmm. Contrast, if you give contrast, it's a true multiparametric MRI. If you don't give contrast, it's a biparametric MRI. And the value of contrast is, is, as we said earlier, it helps to identify tumors. But actually, if you are going to have focal therapy, contrast is incredibly important because mm-hmm. it's the contrast scans after treatment that enable us to tell how effective the treatment has, has been. So if you get an MRI scan without contrast, that's a biparametric MRI, mm-hmm. and then you want to have treatment following the treatment up afterwards, which requires contrast, is, is, is going to be perhaps not quite as good as if the patient had received contrast with the first scan. Okay. So those things are all very important. And no, then, yes, also the radiologist. Mm-hmm. I mean, the trouble is you can't, in most places, you can't choose your radiologist and you can't choose your scanner. But it would be also helpful to know, was the radiologist who reported the scan a dedicated radiologist, someone who, who reports routinely on prostate MRI? Mm-hmm. Or was it a general radiologist? Or was it someone who just got, unfortunately, lumbered with having to report that scan mm-hmm. and you know, isn't particularly used to doing that sort of reporting? Yeah. So those things would be helpful to know, definitely. Very helpful. Well, Mark, um, I really want to thank you for for commenting on this. A lot to take in, but I know it's something that's that's been hugely important and it's, it's even more important that patients understand <laughs> how important sure. it is. So thank you so much for speaking with me today. It's really, a fascinating a area. It is indeed. It's a pleasure for me too. Thank you. A transcript of this interview is available on our website, along with further information on diagnostics and treatment for prostate cancer and additional interviews and stories about living with prostate cancer. Please visit www.thefocaltherapyclinic.co.uk and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Focal Therapy Clinic. Thanks for listening. And for me, Claire Delmar, see you next time.